He was talking about a new work, a new covenant that comes through Jesus Christ. While Moses' glory was a fading glory. This is something that I believe is really applicable to us today. It is this, as we continually draw near to Jesus through studying his word by coming to church, gathering together as the body of Christ, we then begin to reflect his glory through our lives to others. However, if we begin to turn away from Jesus, we'll discover that that glory, that reflecting of Jesus will fade. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. I titled this Unveiled Faces, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I broke it into four sections. We're going to read our commendation, verses 1 through 3. Our sufficiency, verses 4 through 6. Our glory, verses 7 through 11. And our liberty, verses 12 through 18. Father, I pray that you would just, by the Spirit of the living God, Lord, open your word to us today. The things that Paul wrote about concerning the church there in Corinth during the first century. Often, many of these things are applicable to the church of the 21st century, even to our church. So Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to this church. This day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Paul himself, where Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When we are weak, Jesus is made strong. They recognized that it was God who made them sufficient as ministers, as teachers, as preachers, as evangelists, as miracle workers, as apostles, as followers of Jesus Christ. Whatever we might find or think the category that we might place ourselves in, our sufficiency comes from God. Yet they were not ministers of the old covenant, but of the new Paul said the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, it brings death. In Romans 3.20, the word tells us, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the Ten Commandments was not to make a perfect people. The purpose of God giving the Ten Commandments was to help us realize our insufficiency. 
that we need the grace and the mercy of God in our lives. They were not ministers of the old covenant. They were ministers of the new covenant that brings life. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The reason he calls the old covenant that which leads to death is because all it could do is reveal to us our shortcomings without any solution. The solution of the Old Testament, of course, was to offer sacrifices there at the temple of God, which we know all of the sacrifices that have been offered before the coming of Jesus were actually pointing to the work of Jesus upon the cross. They lacked insufficiency because they had to be offered over and over again. Annually, the Day of Atonement, it, the high priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the altar seven times for his own sin and then return and sprinkle the altar seven times for the sins of the people. But it had to take place annually, year in and year out. But what Jesus came and did with his work upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. He did it once and for all. Never needed to be repeated again. And this life only comes through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Through Jesus Christ. Our sufficiency from God comes because of our faith in Jesus Christ and no other. And there are so many in this world that they strive to live self-sufficient life. And I have to tell you that self-sufficiency in so many ways, it's a good thing. I am glad when I get up in the morning that I can brush my own teeth, that I can comb my own hair. So many things that we want to be able to do on our own, right? And not have to have help as we were when we were children, learning how to brush our teeth or the importance of grooming, combing the hair, those things that we had learned as a child, we don't want to have to repeat them or have someone else do that for us. But there are some things that we cannot do for ourselves. When it comes to salvation, it has to come through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. As we continue on, we discover our glory, verses 7 through 11. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was a passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. That which is passing away versus that which remains. Again, he's comparing the old covenant to the new covenant under Jesus Christ. The old covenant through the Ten Commandments that was given to Israel Paul is not saying that it was not glorious. He said it had its own type of glory. In fact, it had such a glory that that which was written on tablets of stone, engraved on the stone itself, 
that Moses, when he was in the presence of God, there was a phenomenon that took place that as Moses sat in the presence of the Lord, that his skin began to reflect the glory of God. He was actually absorbing in some way the very glory of God that was noticeable by the people. So much so it tells us in Exodus 34, 29, so it was when Moses came down from Mount Sinai that Moses did not know that his skin of his face shone while he talked to the people. He had this glow about him. He was reflecting the very glory of God among the people. And so the children of Israel, they were afraid because of Moses' face with this radiance that was coming forth from him. I guess it would shock us as well. And so it became this tradition for Moses when he spoke to the people concerning the word of God that he would speak to them with an unveiled face that they would see the glow of God's glory coming from his life. But when he wasn't speaking to the people, he would veil his face. Paul tells us the reason he veiled his face is because the glory was actually fading or passing away. And he did not want the children of Israel to see that it was a fading glory. In John 1.17, the word tells us that the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And Paul is merely pointing out that if there was a recognized glory at the first covenant, Shouldn't we expect that the second covenant that came through Jesus Christ through the ministry of the Spirit of God would be even more glorious? Again, I've already referenced this. We've read from it from Hebrews earlier. But here in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34, God talking about the new work that he was going to do. He told the people, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will put my law in their minds. I'll write it upon their hearts. They will be my people and I will be their God. He was talking about a new work, a new covenant that comes through Jesus Christ. While Moses' glory was a fading glory. This is something that I believe is really applicable to us today, to believers today. It is this, as we continually draw near to Jesus through studying his word by coming to church, gathering together as the body of Christ, we then begin to reflect his glory through our lives to others. However, if we begin to turn away from Jesus, we'll discover that that glory that reflecting of Jesus will fade. At the beginning of 2020, they did a survey among the churches of how many people have been studying their Bible, Christian people within the church, reading the word of God. And just a month or two ago, they repeated the same survey and they discovered that in the Christian church, that 20% less are reading the Bible. I would think personally and the worse this world gets, the more we need to draw closer to Jesus, not further away. But it's not what is happening. It is only as we stay near to Jesus that we will continue to reflect his glory to others. 
So this excelling glory, it's in excess, he says in verses 9 through 11. If the ministry of condemnation, talking about the first law, the Ten Commandments, if it had glory, it had glory because it came from God. It's not that the Ten Commandments are bad or wrong. The problem with the first covenant is the inability of people to keep the covenant. And that was the whole purpose of it. As Paul would later write that the law came as a tutor to point us to Jesus Christ. It was a ministry of condemnation. A ministry of the old covenant is one to bring condemnation because of the sin that is in our lives. And the result of sin is death. But the new law, it's a ministry of righteousness, he says. It's a ministry of righteousness because it points us to Christ. That which is right. It exceeds, it excels. It's beyond the first. We cannot compare the work of God in the Old Testament to the work of God in the New Testament. Same God working in both Testaments. Same God working in the world through a, a group of people. But we can't compare the two because the inadequacy of the first covenant actually revealed the flaw of every man, woman, and child on this earth that we cannot make it to God apart from the work of Christ in our lives. The old was to point to the new. The old was to point to the need of the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sin of the world. The work of Jesus upon the cross, he not only paid the cost of our sin, but through his work, he brought forth a new covenant that greatly exceeds or excels the first covenant. Hebrews 9 verses 14 and 15 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself as without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance our glory is in the mediator of the new covenant jesus christ it's jesus christ that we look to and the new work that he did through his work upon the cross by the shedding of his blood he has become that sufficient mediator the death that he died he died once and for all never to be repeated again Therefore, we find our liberty as we close out in verses 12 through 18, again, for the context. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were hardened. For unto this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, 
just as the Spirit of the Lord. Our liberty. He first talks about this veil of blindness. With Moses veiling his face because he did not want Israel to see that fading glory. When Moses was in the presence of the Lord, he began to reflect the uh, glory of the Lord, the radiance of the Lord. The people could actually see that upon Moses' features. But he would veil that covering. And it was probably an unintended outcome of Moses veiling his face to keep the people from seeing his faded glory. They also put a veil over their minds and their hearts. And sadly, this is often the case. In the days of Isaiah, we find in the days of Jesus, the days of Paul, even to this day. In John 12, 37 through 41, Jesus said, But although he had done many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the words of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. As the Lord spoke, Lord, who has revealed your report? Or who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah again said, he has blinded their eyes. He had hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that he should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah looked down, he saw the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus talking about this very thing that the people saw many signs, many wonders while Jesus walked this earth, but their hearts were hardened toward them. They had this veil that they did not see. They did not comprehend. They did not hear. I was thinking about this this morning. It did not get into my notes, but the veiling that Paul refers to of the old covenant, he said to this day when they read the word of God in the synagogues that there is a veil over their hearts over their minds that is what Paul had said to the Corinthians of his day speaking of the Jews that there's this veil that's there so this morning I thought about what happened after the Latin Vulgate was translated when the word of God went from Greek to Latin for nearly a thousand years that was the only translation of the word of God that the people used in the churches until the time of Martin Luther. So what happened was the learned and the educated people who knew Latin could understand the reading of the word of God. But the common people who did not know Latin, when the priest would speak to the people for a thousand years, he would read Latin to them they could not understand God's word. It was Latin to them, which it would be like we say, it's, oh, it's Greek to me. It's like, I don't understand what you're saying. But just think about that, if I was able to, and I'm not, could fluently read the Koine Greek of the Old, or New Testament. And when I spoke to you every Sunday, I would read Koine Greek and then teach the word of God to you. And you think, well, John, you're real smart, but I don't understand what you're saying. So when Martin Luther came about, he decided that the people needed a common language, that the word of God needed to be put in a common word that people could understand, that the church itself could have this understanding. 
Sadly, it appears, and as I thought this through, I looked it up briefly. You know, it also came after the Latin Vulgate was translated, so the Word of God from Greek into Latin. You know what that period is called also? It's called the Dark Ages. Technically, the Dark Ages refers to the decline of the Roman Empire, but maybe it was the decline of the Word of God in people's hearts. It was darkened because the word of God had been darkened in their lives. It's not that they didn't want to know the word of God. The church wouldn't allow them to understand the word of God because no longer did they translate the word of God into the common language of the people that the people could understand. And what if, I mean, you could have a great priest who presented the word of God in Latin and then translated it into the common language for the people no doubt there were priests and preachers, evangelists who did this for the people, but what if they failed to do it? What if the priest had a bad heart? What if he read what the word of God said and decided, I don't believe that, and so I'm not going to let the people know? You see, during that time, the church could not be like the Bereans who received the word of God with all readiness and then looked into the word of God to see if these things were so. They had no ability to look into God's word because the word of God had not been put in the common language of their day. So we can have these veils that we put even in the church. There can be veils, but we with unveiled faces, unveiled faces. In verses 16 through 18. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And we need to be thankful to God that when we turn our minds and our hearts to Jesus Christ, that whatever veil might be there, it's stripped away, it's taken away. It could be a veil of tradition from being raised in church. We have this veil of tradition, but we've never come to life-saving faith in Jesus Christ. It could be a veil of some political system in this world. But once the veil is taken away, we have the Spirit of the Lord. There is Spirit of Liberty. There is freedom that comes to us. It's a freedom that speaks about no restrictions, no conditions set upon us. We are free. The Bible tells us if the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And it is Christ who gives us that freedom. And it is Christ who brings that true liberty through faith in his work upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And now we with unveiled faces we're able to behold, as in a mirror dimly, the very glory of Jesus. Paul recognized this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, saying, For we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. We know in part, but then we shall be known just as we are known. Now with unveiled faces, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. I know in my heart that I'm not the person I would desire or strive to be, but I also know that 
I've come a long way with Jesus Christ, or Jesus has brought me a long way. I'm not the person I used to be. As the Lord continues to conform me into his image, one day I will see the Lord face to face. One day you will see the Lord face to face. But until that day, as Christians, there's this process. Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24 speaks about the putting off that we might be able to put on. That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed by the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a ministry of transformation. Lord, we are living in challenging days. Lord, be with us, Lord. That we turn our heart toward you, look to you always for our help, for our strength, that we might find your peace. And Lord, where there is not peace today, Lord, let your spirit of peace come upon the heart, Lord, who is uh, struggling. Even this hour, Lord, let your peace rest upon them. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.